Hey everyone, today's episode is on Saint Faustina and also on Divine Mercy. Saint Faustina is known for giving us, or at least popularizing, the devotion to Divine Mercy. And thus, we kind of have to have an episode that talks about both Faustina, but also the devotion that she was divinely inspired, divinely revealed to give us. So this episode starts with a miracle at the intercession of St. Faustina that happened in 1995. And then we get into the life of Faustina, as well as what is divine mercy, what is the divine mercy devotion, and how it can be used in your petitions and in your prayer life. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Father Ron was given only five years to live, and that was being optimistic. He wasn't old, at least he felt he was not old enough to die, though all the second and third opinions they agreed. He had a damaged and enlarged heart, there wasn't much that could be done. His congregation held the good gentle priest in high regard, but he told them not to eulogize him yet, and that he will face his illness head-on, as God wills. However, on October 5th, 1995, on the feast day of St. Faustina Kowalska, his congregation surprised him with a prayer session. As he entered the church, there was a large image of Christ in his divine mercy emitting red and white rays from his side wound. There were relics of St. Faustina on the altar, and images of the Polish nun all about. The embarrassed priest was touched by the display. He knelt as his friends and his flock laid their hands upon him, praying for God's mercy and praying for the intercession of Saint Faustina. At the end of the prayer, Father Ron made the sign of the cross, and then he collapsed. And that was the last thing he remembered aside from the strong feeling of peace that permeated his body. But then, from the darkness he awoke, in a hospital bed, his cardiologist by his side with a pensive look, the priest expecting even more bad news, a heart attack, another one, but I'm alive, but this can't be good, so what's next? What's next for my already damaged heart? Father, the cardiologist said. You're healed. We can't explain it, but your heart is no longer enlarged. In fact, your vitals have never looked better. The stunned doctor left the room. As the priest sat up, he thanked St. Faustina for her intercession, and he thanked God for his divine mercy. Peace be with you, and with your spirit. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it said that they hid in fear. And we all know the image of the first humans 
trembling in terror as they hid behind trees and brush. Though I'd like to point out a larger statement that paints a more specific picture. The reading actually goes, Adam and Eve hid in fear due to their now distorted image of God. No longer seen as a loving provider, Adam and Eve lied to the father because the serpent had tricked them into believing that God was not loving, but instead that God was wrathful, that God was cruel, that God was a God of anger. Come back to me so I can cleanse you of this warped vision, this knowledge you garnered from the fruit, which represented not general knowledge, but simply knowledge that man was not ready for. But Adam and Eve, they did not go back. They fled, they ran, and they ran further from God due to the distorted image planted within them by the serpent. And thus, we still often run from God due to that warped image, which was the great curse of the fall. Therefore, the whole Bible is in of itself a love story, a story of God reclaiming his children his children who had been lost to the fallen angels, lost to the serpents, who continue to paint a distorted image of him, who continue to teach his children about war, about jealousy, envy, and hatred. The pinnacle of the Father's love lies in the New Testament, when the Father sent his Son, and no, not as a payment unto himself so God will withhold his wrath, like atonement is often painted. No, God did not send Jesus so that God could change his mind about us. God sent Jesus so we would change our minds about God, that we would have a God we could relate to whose passion would make him the new Passover lamb, a continuation of the ritual that the Father gave Moses. Christ would then die in a ritual that mimics the atonement sacrifice of the Jews, and in his suffering, he took on all of our suffering, something he still does today. He would then descend to hell, conquer it, and return all souls back to God. And thus, God now reigns in hell, just as God can now reign in our personal hell too. The Bible is a story about reverting our image of a warped God who was a consequence of the fall into a God of love and a God of mercy, a God of divine mercy. While divine mercy has always been a tenant of Christianity, the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the unforgiving servant showcase God's not only willingness to give us mercy, but his willingness to give us mercy in a way that's radical and supernatural. And while divine mercy is not new, it's been de-emphasized. Today, yes, but especially in Christianity of old, in which we see God depicted in that distorted way, depicted in the way that the serpent wants us to see him, a god to run away from, not a god to run toward. Fortunately, a vision of Christ himself by a Polish nun in 1931 began a new crusade towards rectifying the devotion of God's divine mercy. And this saint was Saint Faustina Kowalska. This is another episode of Saint Anthony's Tongue. And I am your host, W. St. Faustina Kowalska was a Polish mystic, 
She was a visionary, a saint, who is best known for her intimate relationship with Christ. And I do not mean that in a symbolic way, but in a way in which she genuinely had face-to-face -face conversations. So who is this mystic? Faustina was born in 1905 in a small town in Poland. She always wanted to be a nun, but her parents relied on some of her income that she brought in from work, so they forbade her from joining a convent. It was also said at a young age, she frequently had visions of angels, saints, and Jesus throughout her childhood. However, one night when she was just 15 years old, she was at a local town dance, and she saw an image of the crucified Christ bloody with a crown of thorns. And he said to her, how much longer will you make me wait? And she immediately packed a bag and she went off to Krakow to find the first convent that would take her in. And she eventually found one, the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, who were a convent that actually took care of former sex workers. And they did other things in the community as well. And she was seen as this eccentric. She would speak very openly and plainly about how Jesus told her to do certain things, such as join that particular convent or pray a certain way. And little did they know she meant that literally. And she began to tell her confessor, Father Mikhail Sapoko, about her visions. Then he instantly insisted on a psych evaluation, but she appeared to be sincere and no illness or delusion was found in the evaluation. So Father Sapoko asked her to write down every vision and message that she got from Jesus and what she did in her diary. And Faustina was also a very simple girl. She was not educated. She only had three winters of education. And yet her diary was full of very detailed messages and they were written in a very eloquent language and they were allegedly given by Christ himself, and thus, Father Sapoko knew something special was going on. Over the next few months, Jesus gave Faustina very prophetic messages and more, but he largely taught her about divine mercy, what is divine mercy, and how it's lacking today, and essentially told Faustina that she will be his apostle of divine mercy, and she will be the messenger to reinstitute divine mercy throughout the world. And the most notable vision that she had led to what we call today the divine mercy image. So Christ appeared to Faustina glowing. He appeared almost walking out of darkness. And in his side wound, there emitted these red and white rays. Allegedly, the white stood for baptism or cleansing, and the red stood for the blood of Christ and his passion. And Christ told Faustina to have that image painted. He said, have this image painted exactly how, how I appeared to you, with the words, Jesus, I trust in you, written underneath it. And he asked that that image be venerated alongside the Divine Mercy Prayer and the Divine Mercy Novena, which he also gave to her. He also asked for there to be a feast day that celebrates Divine Mercy. Of course, she was no painter, so she hired one. And after well over a dozen attempts, none of which even came close, she says, to the vision she had of Christ's beauty. She knew time was running out and she finally settled on an image. And that image is still venerated today as the divine mercy image. 
And she was also a simple nun. She had no sway over feast days, but a chance encounter between Father Sopoko and a Polish cardinal guard the support of Divine Mercy and Divine Mercy Sunday, which would eventually, many years later, be held each Sunday after Easter. So this image and these prayers, they began to have a cult following throughout Poland. Um, Father Sopoko was able to use the image in mass, which had people ask about it, and he was able to, got permission from the bishops to begin praying. And it became popular throughout Poland, and the prayers were said to have brought on many great miracles, healings, and more. In the diary of Faustina, in of itself, it, it's full of prophecies that came true in various other miraculous events. It's very incredible. I'm gonna kind of stick more to the her life in general, and then also the Divine Mercy devotion, but I do highly recommend the Diary of St. Faustina. So Polish devotion grew to the concept of Divine Mercy, but at just the age of 33, which was the same age of Christ's death, Faustina died due to tuberculosis. And the devotion in St. Faustina's Diary, as I said, they were met with massive popularity throughout Europe. But from there, the Divine Mercy devotion came into a lot of roadblocks. Of course, right after Faustina's death was World War II, which she did predict would happen in her diaries. So Nazi occupation of Poland led to strict restrictions on Catholic practices and even eventual death sentences for those priests they didn't trust. So Father Sopoko and other priests, they were still able to get the Divine Mercy devotion spread elsewhere. In the US, Japan, um, and various other places, and it was due to a series of miraculous events, and that could be its own episode, but things happened like they were in a room hiding and the Nazis checked every room but theirs. Um, there's a story of them letting them on the, um, the ferry and the ship to go to the U.S., one of the priests, despite not having his passport. Um, there's a lot there. However, due to time, after the war, um, two popes did actually put restrictions on the diary and devotion. And this is largely due to a poor translation, where Faustina was saying, I am divine mercy, as if those gifts are coming from Faustina. But those lines were actually quoting Jesus, not her. So the translation raised a lot of eyebrows in the Vatican. However, another chance encounter with a cardinal, it would change all of this. A priest that was dedicated to the devotion insisted the archbishop and cardinal of Krakow reinvestigate the devotions and the claims, and the cardinal agreed. The cardinal's name was Karl Wojtyla, later known as John Paul II. And also notably, another one of Faustina's predictions was a Pole would become Pope. Now, the papacy had been run by Italians for 400 years, so that was a pretty spot-on and odd prediction. Granted, it might have just been her Polish pride, but it was it was a pretty pretty wild and accurate prediction. So when going through and reading this devotion, the message of mercy it spoke to young John Paul II, and he fought for the cause, and the ban was lifted. Later. John Paul II would become Pope, and one of his first encyclicals was on God's divine mercy. He cited the divine mercy prayers and work of Faustina within that encyclical. And then in the year 2000, Faustina was officially made a saint 
by the very man who helped fight her cause, John Paul II. She was also the first saint of the new millennium, which speaks to this concept of divine mercy and how important it is to spirituality. So as you can tell, this episode is a little bit about Faustina, a little bit about divine mercy, because you can't really have one without the other. You have to, they, they go together, right? So if you do choose to venerate St. Faustina and go to her in prayer, you're going to likely need to pray some, some divine mercy prayers as well. But let's, let's go back. Let's, don't, let's not get too far in the divine mercy train. Let's go to the miracles that made Faustina a saint. As I said, I'm excited because we're finally talking about more modern saints. So we get to talk about the criteria, which is two miracles. Um, so the two miracles that made her a saint. The first happened um, to Maureen Dignan of Massachusetts. She was healed of her lymphedema. She had suffered from this for over 15 years and one leg was actually amputated and the other was going to be amputated too. So she went and prayed to St. Faustina's tomb. And when praying, she heard a voice say, ask for my help and I will help you. And then after prayer, Maureen's pain suddenly stopped. And this is pain she has had for 15 years. And over the next few days, all the swelling in her body reduced and her doctors claimed that she was healed. And this was declared a miracle by the Vatican. Then the other was the story I told at the top of the episode. 1995, Father Ron Patel was given five years to live due to his enlarged heart. His congregation prayed with him on Faustina's feast day and venerated relics. And during the session, he collapsed and when he woke up in the hospital, his heart had been completely healed. So in Catholicism, you have these devotions and there's always the intersection of symbolism, mysticism, and just spirituality. For instance, let's talk about the seven sorrows of Mary, right? Um, the seven sorrows chaplet is very common. So symbolically what we do when we pray the seven sorrows chaplet is we put ourselves in the shoes of mary we put herself in all of the sorrows she feels and what does that do one it opens up our heart because we are forced to feel compassion for mary so it's something that symbolically speaks to us and then temporally it can speak to us in this world because it can open our hearts however mystically in that moment we are sharing in Mary's suffering. We are sharing in her sorrow. We are connecting with Mary in a unique way. And thus, something happens on a spiritual level as well, which we can also gain. And in that moment, that's when we can petition. That's when we can go to Mary and pray for her, pray to her, pray with her for something. You could say similar things about the Sacred Heart of Christ. Symbolically, it's about love, so we too should have a loving heart, but also Christ's heart was very loving, so we can petition that heart and petition that love. Divine mercy is no different. It is one of those devotions where we can pray for mercy and we can also be merciful. So let's go back to the divine mercy topic a little bit. Divine mercy is all about God's love, and it can easily be misconstrued to be overly universal. And in a sense, it is universal, but it's not necessarily saying that God will save all. It's also not not saying that. 
Uh, Faustina's diary does often speak on penance, it speaks a lot on purgatory, it speaks a lot on the sacraments, but instead it's saying that God wants to have mercy on us, and God wants us in communion with him. The preferred vehicle, according to Faustina, is through the sacraments, through confession, the Eucharist, and so on. And after that, we should pray for others to get rid of this warped image they have of God, and instead to feel his mercy, to feel his love, so they too will go back to him in some way. Her diary, and honestly all of theology, it discusses how our suffering can be a tool to find God's mercy, to find God's love, because it can help build our virtues, it can help build our patience, it can help build our love, our gratitude, and so on. Or it can help us find God in a new place or a new path. We no longer feel God in this instance, in this situation, in this devotion, in this prayer. So we might need that dark night. So due to our suffering, we can go find God in the new place that he is. Either way, the focus on mercy, it did start a new movement within Catholicism. Pope John Paul II, Benedict, and especially Francis, they're all considered mercy popes. And this can be seen in a lot of ways as they all display it differently based on their personalities and their theology. But I think the biggest area it can be seen in is in the form of salvation. These popes believe, due to scripture, but it's also mentioned in Faustina's diary, that God's mercy and love, it's more intense and it's larger than any sin you could have or think of. The quote from the diary is something along the lines of, every grain of sand on the planet was sin, God's love and mercy would still outnumber it infinitely. And that's why all of these popes have said things like, we can hope that hell is empty and that hell is reserved for only the most extreme of cases, if it's used at all, which comes from Benedict. Or Pope Francis, who quipped, well, God will save us all, but don't, don't tell anyone that I said that. It's also why Pope John Paul II, he was so open to interfaith dialogues, claiming that there are rays of truth in all world religions, and why these popes have views to protect all souls, all people, all humanity, not just those in the Catholic club, because that is God's universal mercy. That is God's divine mercy. So petitioning God's divine mercy, petitioning St. Faustina, as well as God's divine mercy, it can do these things that will bring us closer to God. And that might seem very spiritual, it might not seem very temporal, but it is, right? So if I get healed, <laughs> that will bring me closer to God, because I will have faith in this prayer and this devotion. Or if I see a glimmer of light in my suffering after doing this devotion, that will bring me closer to God. If I get a new job, because I'm unemployed. In that instance, in that case, well, I now have comfort. I now have stability. So now I'll have the space to reach out to God. So divine mercy, yes. Um, in a spiritual standpoint, it might unite us to God through maybe wanting us to go back to the sacraments, maybe um, wanting us just to get closer to God. But also don't overlook, because that's part of this, is that the divine mercy will assist us in our earthly problems, because in assisting our earthly problems, that will bring us closer to God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's love. So how do we go about venerating divine mercy? The first prayer that was given to St. Faustina by Jesus is the 3 p.m. prayer, and it is done at 3 p.m., which is supposed to be the hour in which 
Christ died, or at least the hour in which we venerate Christ's death. Now, this devotion is very much global. In fact, there are a lot of places in the Philippines where at 3 p.m. every day, this prayer is broadcast on the radio and on TV. But this is the prayer. You expired, O Jesus, but in the source of life gushed forth for souls an ocean of mercy that opened up for the whole world. O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. Amen. So as you could tell, the image there, a lot of baptism, and a lot of times we think of baptism, we think of conversion. I'm not saying conversion, I'm saying baptism in its original sense, which means cleansing. It means removing those spiritual blockages. You can call that spiritual blockage sin if you want, or you can call it a spiritual blockage. But that water pouring forth is all about that cleanse. Same thing with blood. Um, that is a whole other episode that we're going to get into very soon. But the Passion of Christ is a callback to the atonement ritual of the Old Testament as well as the new Passover. So instead of using the blood of the lamb, we use the blood of Christ. And it is a, a, a cleansing tool and is it a tool to get God's grace? And there's actually two ways it's used. One is the atonement ritual and the other is the Passover ritual. They're used in different ways. But also that suffering that Christ had with his blood means that he now took on our suffering so he can relate to our suffering and we can also offer up our suffering as a sacrifice to God. So blood is often seen in these prayers as a way to cleanse, but also as a way to unite with Christ. His suffering and our suffering is relatable. And you also have a lot of universalist elements here, right? Like have mercy on the whole world. Um, bless the whole world. Bring the whole world back to you. Let them see you. Let them feel you. Let them be healed so they have faith in you. And you see that a lot in these prayers. And the next is the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And I love this chaplet because you can pray it on a regular rosary. Oftentimes, there's a you need a new chaplet for everything. It seems like a racket to get you to buy more chaplets. But you can do this on a regular rosary. It's shorter than the rosary. It's very commonly done on Fridays at 3 p.m. And it's the above prayer that we just said. That's the opening prayer. And then on the Our Father beads, you say, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. See, right there again, we are offering something, right? We are offering his sacrifice. We are calling it forth just like we do in Mass. And we're calling it forth just like we do in Mass to cleanse not just the people in the room, not just the people in the church, this time for the whole world. My favorite part, though, is the quick prayer you do on the Hail Mary beads, which is, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So you have this beautiful mantra-style meditation. It's very Eastern. If you're familiar with hesychasm, if you're familiar with repetitive prayer, which I did talk about in the Holy Rosary episode, it's very similar. So it's interesting that this chaplet has a lot of Eastern Orthodox and Eastern Catholic elements. Um, that I'm not sure Sister Faustina would have been aware of. Um, but it's that, it's that repetitive thing. It's that repetitive action that you're doing. And to me, the rosary is beautiful. You have those repetitions, but the rosary to me, it's, it's very devotional. 
you're putting yourself in the mysteries, you're saying these certain prayers, and there's three prayers that you say, more if you're including the opening and closing one. So the rosary is, is more of a full devotion. Something like this is genuinely a prayer. You're just repeating something from your heart, something short and sweet over and over and over again. And if you do anything like this, in which I do talk about hesychasm in my Holy Rosary episode, you'll, you'll notice the energies are different. Um, these quick recitations are very centering very calming, where the rosary to me, it, it, it's not draining, that's not the right word, but I feel like I just put my energy into something. Whereas these repetitive prayers like you see in this chaplet, it's very centering. It's also very similar to Christian centering prayer, which is a similar thing. You also have a novena for divine mercy that Jesus gave Faustina. Much like any novena, it's a prayer prayed over nine days. And all in all, I really do like the Divine Mercy devotion. It's a great devotion to both temporal and our spiritual well-being. Because like I said, mercy, it can be something we need. It can be healing or it can be strength. It can be anything that we are asking for so we can more fully enjoy God's creation here on earth, to feel him here, to commune with him here. However, the prayers and devotion, they also encourage us to move towards God spiritually as well, and to have others move towards God as well. And again, not towards Catholicism necessarily, not towards Christianity necessarily, towards the divine, and however God wants to reveal himself to them. Sister Faustina would just probably disagree with everything I just said, but I want to make that point. When I say moving towards God, even when I say moving towards the sacraments, I'm not saying conversion. If that happens, beautiful but it's about having mercy on the whole world. Lastly, I think this devotion is, is beautiful because it's one where you pray for other people. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. You don't always have that. You don't always have that in devotions. Usually it's about me, myself, or the saint, or the devotion itself, the sacred heart, so on and so forth. But this is a prayer for others. So, you know, I recently had a few people ask me to pray for them and being able to sit down and dedicate this mercy prayer to them, which is essentially a healing prayer for them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's also Divine Mercy Sunday. And as I said, there has been a feast day that you celebrate God's Divine Mercy, but it was Faustina that made this a large feast day that is held the Sunday after Easter. And it is said that one is supposed to receive special graces when going to confession this day. And it's a bit old school. It's a bit medieval. You're talking indulgences here, which is a whole other topic. But essentially, you know, it's, it's like a super confession. Like you're super absolved from your sins. And if you are any form of theologian and you heard me say that, I know you're cringing because it's a lot more intricate than that. Uh, but it is a, a more special confession if you go on Divine Mercy Sunday. And I would like to share my personal experience with Divine Mercy Sunday. So I don't often do this on the podcast, so I will share my personal story of how I re-entered confession on this day. Um, so, uh, this church was one I had never gone to before. It was actually the first time I ever went to a traditional Latin mass. And I, when I first started going back to mass and receiving the sacraments, I did go to confession, but it was, it was very underwhelming. I wasn't expecting any kind of super spiritual experience, but 
I felt like the priest wasn't even listening. Um, you know, I think my 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 penance was a rosary, and I pray the rosary all the time anyway. And you know, I hadn't been to confession since you know my my first confession as a child. So I thought, you know, I thought I, I wanted this to be a little more special. And I, I guess the simplicity of being um, it not being a big deal should have spoke to me, but I felt like it was lacking somehow. So this was the first time I went to a traditional Latin mass, which is a very beautiful mass. It's it, to me, it, it gives you more time and space to be pensive, to be prayerful, to meditate. And the homily the priest gave was very beautiful. It was Divine Mercy Sunday, so it was all about divine mercy, and it was all about confession as well. Um, and the way the priest framed confession, it was very much in line with my view, which I don't think is very mainstream at all. And this was a very traditional church, probably a lot more conservative than I. Uh, but the priest spoke about how confession is freeing, how it cleanses you, it, it cleanses, clears your conscience, it, it does something spiritually, it opens you up spiritually. And that's very much how I see sin and confession as this this blockage, this stain. So the way he painted it, I was like, I, I want to go to confession. And, um, but then he drops the bomb. He says that, well, unfortunately, I have to go do mass at this other church in a nearby town today, so we will be doing confession this evening as well as on Monday. And I couldn't make that evening, and I was at work that time on Monday, because for some reason, churches love to do confession at like three o'clock on a weekday. So I, I still wanted something because I had a very moving experience during this mass. So. I prayed, I asked God in that moment, will you accept my confession today at the altar? Just me and you, me and you, big guy. Um, so after mass, um, there's still a lot of people there. And there's a lot of people that, that line up and, and pray before the Mary statue, the Sacred Heart of Jesus statue. Some just pray at the altar, some pray the rosary. And I'm making my way to the altar and there's probably, this is a big church, so there's probably 500 people and there's probably 200 people still in there when this happened. And I'm making my way to the altar, gonna just pray that God will absolve me. <laughs> and a priest comes directly to me, walking around people, squeezing down pews, not talking to anyone else, walks right up to me and says, hi, I'm about to do confession if you want me to hear your confession. Didn't talk to anyone else, this was not the priest that did mass. He just walked in the church through a side entrance, walked straight to me and asked me this. So I was like, yeah, of course. So went to the confessional booth, had a very, very powerful confessional experience. Um, it was just very moving. It was very powerful. The priest said some very incredible things about divine mercy, but also, you know, did some, some talks about some parables and, it was deep and it was heavy and it was beautiful and it was very kind and it was all about mercy, loving, kindness, uh, but still in a very powerful and theological way. It wasn't too flowery. And again, it, it was because of divine mercy that it all made sense what the priest was saying. So I leave the confessional booth and I expect him to stay and hear more confessions, but he just leaves, he just leaves the church. So in short, the priest wasn't available for confession. I prayed and asked if I could have my confession heard. A priest walks in the church, walks right up to me, asks me to hear confession. We do it, and then he just leaves. 
crazy. Crazy. Um, no idea. No idea why he just walked right up to me and no one else. It, it wasn't as if... It wasn't if people knew I was new there, because this church is huge. Um, and again, he just walked right in and then left. Um, very incredible experience. And also, that priest also was not the main priest at that church. This priest is one that helps out there on occasion. Um, I think he was just visiting that day. So, very powerful experience on Divine Mercy Sunday. So, Divine Mercy Sunday and Divine Mercy is special to me because of that moment because it was, it was supernatural. Something else was, was going on there. All right, let's go back to St. Faustina. I know, I probably could have done a St. Faustina episode and a Divine Mercy episode, but I'm not sure how logistically that would have worked. Um, how can we venerate and incorporate Faustina in our prayer lives? Her feast day is October 5th. And as far as decorating your altar, I would adorn it with, of course, the Divine Mercy image. I would also say red, and or white flowers to symbolize the red and white in the image. And one can also leave Polish foods or drinks on the altar. And you can pray to her for just about anything, right? Um, she is an apostle of mercy. She will intercede and go to Christ for Christ's mercy. She did heal in her two miracles. They were healing-based. Um, so pray for intercession, for healing. However, she did write a diary, so I will also consider her someone you can go to for, for writing, for either actual writing as a passion or a, a career path, but also maybe you're writing something because you want to sway someone's mind, get someone's attention. It can just be a one-off thing as well, but I think writing as well. But by and large, anytime you feel mercy, you want to heal, you want someone else to heal, she is Christ's apostle of mercy. So she has his ear for anytime you want comfort and healing. As far as rituals go, Faustina is a very modern saint, the first saint canonized in the new millennium. Thus, unlike the St. Joseph's and the St. Anthony's of the world, there, there aren't these you know, century-old folk rituals, and most of the rituals are just going to be praying that Divine Mercy devotion, praying that Divine Mercy chaplet, that novena. But these rituals, they can be dedicated towards an intention, a new job, recovery from illness, the, the sake of someone else's mental or physical health, and so on, or whatever situation a loved one is going through. However, there's one thing I really like about saints that have books, that have written books, I love making that part of the novena. So while you're doing a novena just to the Divine Mercy devotion or doing a novena to St. Faustina, which by the way, they, they probably will, will seem a pretty similar, I would end each session just spending 15 minutes reading her diary. In the diary of Faustina, it is broken up in a way that is kind of these, these spiritual nuggets that you can get. And some of it is, almost like storytelling about her life and her experiences, but there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in it as well. So I'd recommend kind of spending 15 minutes or so after your novena, before you leave your altar, just read the diary. And I recommend this with any saint that has written a book or has, you know, legends written about them. So St. Francis and the Little Flowers of St. Francis, St. John of the Cross and the Spiritual Canticle or Sayings of Love and Light, things like that. So in summary, St. Faustina is a wonderful mystic. I know this episode was more so on the devotion to Divine Mercy than her life and her writings. 
but just knowing that she is what is called Christ's apostle of mercy. So she is someone we can go to when we want Christ to give his mercy, his healing, his love, his goodness. So a really incredible saint. I do recommend checking out a movie on her life. There are so many. Also reading her diary because there is a lot of mysticism. There is a lot of things from her life we could learn. Again, she devoted herself to God despite people not wanting her to. She was ridiculed in the convent for a long time. And also the story of the devotion essentially leaving Nazi-occupied Poland and later um, communist Poland to be spread is also really beautiful. By and large though, this Divine Mercy devotion is, is also something that I think is a really beautiful element to anyone's spirituality. And the chaplet, again, is very short. The rosary, for me, can take up to 45 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe 15 if I'm not doing a lot of mystery contemplation. But the, the Divine Mercy Chaplet can take 5-10 minutes. And even if you just want to do the For the Sake of His Sorrowful Passion part over and over, it's, it's beautiful. And it again, it works to fix that warped image, that fearful image we have of God by reminding us that God is loving. And even in the times we are suffering, God's mercy can help us either remove the suffering or use it in a way that can build our virtue, that can build our spirituality and build our closeness to Him. As always, let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God. You are goodness, you are love, and you are mercy. And anything that is not good is not from you. Anything that is not good is from the evil one. You have given us crosses to bear, but those crosses can help build us spiritually. They can help us grow in love. So be with us as we carry our crosses. You sent St. Faustina to be the apostle of your mercy to be the apostle of your love. So we pray that your divine mercy fills any wounds, cracks, and pain in our body. May we be filled with your love, filled with the rays of your divine mercy. May all our wounds be filled by you and your love. May Saint Faustina be by our side so that we may trust in you. St. Faustina, pray for us. This has been another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, may God have mercy on us and on the whole world. God bless you. <laughs>